Hello, and welcome to the Starling Podcast, a podcast about how we built Starling Bank, a bank offering a 100% mobile-only UK bank account. I'm your host, Jason Maud. In this episode, we will be discussing how we connected Starling Bank to other parts of the UK and global banking framework. I'm joined for this episode by Starling CIO, John Mountain. Hi. And Programme Manager, Mariam Ogunbambi. Hello. So, uh, let's start out by talking about what we're talking about. What are the other parts of the UK banking framework? When we say that, what do we mean? Okay, well, there, there are quite a, a few uh, schemes that we talk about when we when we talk about the framework. Um, one of them is called BACS, um, and that kind of stands for the Bankers Automated Clearing um, Services. Uh, and what this payment scheme is really responsible for is the clearing and settlement of automated um, payment methods, such as direct debits and direct credits. Um, and then we have what we call CAS, which is the current account uh switch service. Um, now this is also run by BACS, um, but also it's it's around allowing customers to be able to switch from one bank to the other. Um, and then we have what we call uh, FPS, which is the fast payment service. Um, and this is a payment scheme that's kind of responsible for the transfer of money um, from one bank to, a different, to another bank, um, basically. And uh, a while back, I think it used to take days. Uh, the whole point of uh, fast payments was they came in to reduce that transfer time. Um, and so now it's usually a matter of seconds uh, and, you know, maximum could be two hours. That's a really interesting service that we have in the UK uh, to do real-time payments between banks. It might be surprising to some people that actually very few domestic currencies around the world can offer that kind of service. The Japanese were first to get there in the 70s. And since then, only about 10 other nations have built a real-time clearing system. It's still not possible in euros. It's not possible in US dollars. Uh, and many, many countries around the world still take one or multiple days to clear a simple payment. Great. Well, good to see the UK leading the way in that respect. So, OK, we have a lot of these uh, acronyms. And yes. uh, um, banking uh, banking system seems to like its acronyms. Um, so why did we decide as Starling Bank to connect up to all of these different services? So fundamentally, that's about offering a full current account service to our customers. So with, with one of these things missing, you, you might argue that you know you could get by without a current account switch service. But actually, you know, our, our aim is to offer as much in the way of banking services you would get from one of the big four, if not more in the way of service. And so we need access to all these schemes just to offer the product. And then Having decided to gain access to them, you're often faced with the question as to whether to become a primary member of a scheme or to become a, a secondary member in, on a kind of agency arrangement where you take an existing bank that's a primary member and use their service by proxy. And we've taken different decisions on different schemes. So for faster payments, we're a member of the Fast Payments Board and we have the same membership status as one of the big four banks in the UK. For some of the other schemes, uh, for uh, check clearing, for example, it's not the first and foremost consideration for a digital-only mobile bank. So we opt to use an agency service from another provider in which we get effectively the same service. Uh, faster payments is particularly critical that if you're a first-class member of that scheme, you get exactly the same price point and uh, service level as you, you know, as anybody else in the scheme, whereas the agency members of faster payments, often their payments could take two hours to clear, for example. 
whereas ours can take whereas, seconds. Whereas ours will clear typically in a couple of seconds, yeah. Mm, fantastic. Um, so let's have a look um, more closely at faster payments. Um, how, how did we end up connecting to that? What was the sort of process and procedure we had to go through? Right, so the process was quite a long one, <laughs> um, and it involves uh, so an application that we we would need to put through. Um, it involves a self certification um, in order for us to 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 be given the go ahead to join uh, fast payments, um, and involved quite a number of testing, a lot of testing, and connecting to our payments aggregator, um, and to ensure that we are able to send these um, payments through. So it it took. It took a while to, to get us to, to where we are now. Um, and, you know, there were quite a lot of things that we had to get right. Um, but I think, we you know, we were able to do that. Um, and, you know, that's how we were able to connect to Fast Payments directly. Yeah, there, there are two. Aside from the mainstream project activities that we have as an organization, building our software, getting ready, understanding the processes, there are two big hurdles that you need to pass that the scheme has set up. One of those is a very formal accreditation testing in which your software and systems are essentially put under a number of scenarios and ultimately a stress scenario to check that they can cope with all of the different aspects of the payment scheme. And the second major hurdle is a lengthy and detailed audit of the bank. And this is everything down to uh, personnel, internal policies, internal procedures, and a sort of overall fitness assessment, right down to what is the physical cabling infrastructure between Starling systems and the scheme's central payment servers? Mm, which must have been an interesting question for a cloud bank. It, it was it was an interesting audit. Um, yeah, so fast payments is, is kind of kind of interesting in that it was set up with a, an initial set of founding members. And really after that, they didn't onboard anybody new for ages until recently one or two people have joined, including Starling. And... Essentially, the audit was a, was a set list of questions that they'd come up with, I think, quite a while ago, and several of them didn't apply. I mean, my personal favorite uh, was, who has the keys to the server room? Uh, to which my slightly eyebrows-raised response was, I don't actually know where the server rooms are. <laughs> uh, our servers are hosted in a variety of cloud providers, and one of the sort of security principles behind that is that I don't know for sure where any server is physically hosted from one day to the next. Mm. It's difficult for you to hack the server if you physically. If you don't know where it is. It's also yeah. difficult for the people running those servers to hack them if they don't know what's running on them. Uh, and so the audit was in, an interesting. Some, some of the questions we were able to answer in a fairly straightforward way and other questions we actually had to have a negotiation about the question uh, in order to answer it properly and satisfactorily. Mm. And how do we make sure that we keep ourselves consistent with the scheme rules that we've, you know, tested the system once? How do we make sure that we're still complying with it? Well, there, there are two aspects to that. So um, the scheme doesn't change technically very fast because it has a number of members, all of whom would have to synchronize on any major or breaking change. From a Starling software perspective, we uh, have thousands of uh, unit and integration level tests covering all aspects of the software. And we're very, very confident that we don't introduce regression bugs. And the more critical a service, the more testing we build around it. And naturally, the core payments infrastructure is right at the top of the critical list. From a scheme perspective, uh, Starling has a seat on the board of Fast Payments now that we're a full member. And so we're kept abreast of any regulatory or process changes at a scheme level through that channel, and we're able to respond accordingly. 
Good, excellent. So we've got uh, faster payments allowing us to connect to the uh, the UK network. Um, what about more more international payments? Uh, another another good one. So there's there's similar schemes operating around the world that are worth talking to. Um, one of the biggest and one of the most interesting to connect to uh, is, is schemes in the single European payments area, uh, which would allow us once we've once we've finished the work on those to make essentially euro payments to any any euro bank operating in in that area. That's a, that's a huge potential base of banks to which we can make and receive payments. Um, it's as as I mentioned earlier, it's it's not actually real time as yet, although we're promised that that's coming very soon, and that's definitely on our roadmap. So today, fast payments, tomorrow, SEPA, beyond that, who knows? And presumably that has some sort of accreditation <laughs> to pass and so on? Yes, yes, there are um, windows that we, well, there's an application process similar to faster payments that we need to go through. Um, there are There is some certification testing as well over uh, a month uh, that we will need to pass in order for, for them to give us the go. I think we're setting a pattern here, which is, is maybe we're maybe becoming over-laboured now. That when you connect to these things, you have a long project, a lot of applications, a lot of testing, a lot of sign-off, and you compare this to all the other APIs and services that we consume, which are largely a case of sign up, get hold of the REST JSON API docs, write some code, and have a working prototype by the end of the second afternoon. Payment schemes are a little slower than that. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that uh, yes. the nations and central governments very rightly take access to these schemes incredibly seriously. Mm. Because the, the wrong actor yeah, could do a lot of the damage. The potential exactly. to do harm once you're on the inside of them is great. Yeah. Mm. Um, so on that point, um, the these schemes are presumably more used to having the the sort of traditional high street banks to get connect to them with uh, their way of doing things. What was their reaction to an online only cloud-based bank coming to them and trying to connect. I was really pleased with that, actually. They're, I've found that where we're plugging into these systems, they're really enthusiastic. They're behind. Uh, they're, they're completely behind getting new members in, and they've been incredibly supportive. and And it's not just a Starling. You can see that faster payments, particularly, is is on a determined mission to open up and provide that service to more companies, and particularly more fintech companies. So that's been a real positive, and that. Is a, that's part of a wider change that we've seen in the industry over the last four or five years that you know, things, things have got to change and these essentially what used to be quite closed shops are, are being opened up to a bit more competition and new entrants and we're hoping to see a much, much more dynamic set of people operating on these systems in the future. So do they find us very different to uh, the traditional banks, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think in my experience what I've seen so far is that they are they they are somewhat shocked as to how how well we can connect um to these schemes given we are a mobile only dig digital bank you know uh, and you know the fact that we are automating a, a lot of the processes is also something that they are interested in and I think want to learn more about um so that they can improve and as John mentioned you know open up to other fintech fintechs as well. Yeah, CAS is a great example of this. Yes. Uh, we announced to the CAS uh, folks very early on in the process that we intended to build a fully automated integration to their service. And they were just wide-eyed because as far as, as far as I can see, nobody else has fully automated the CAS flow, which is quite a complicated flow. It allows you to take your current account at one bank and move it to another bank. Mm -hmm. And from a customer experience, there's almost no interaction. And the, the two organizations behind the scenes have to do a lot of negotiation through the exchange of messages. 
And most of the banks out there operate this using a department of people processing requests. And we built software to do it, and we only intervene when the software breaks. Exactly. So how long does uh, a current account switch normally take? So it should take seven days. Um, And as John mentioned, there are a number of messages that are sent between old bank and new bank um, and actions that are performed off the back of those messages. Um, And each message, uh, the specific messages for each day. And so the the sequence is extremely important to get right. Otherwise, you know, the time frame, it gets extended or um, you start all over again, etc. So there's so many things that are really critical in terms of getting that sequence of messages right on the right day. And so, as I said, we said, well, we'll just completely systemize this and the server will sit there. When you send it a message, it will go, okay, it's day three and I've got this request and I need to send this response and it sends it out. And and in, to answer your sort of earlier question about how do they find us, well, I think they were a little bit stunned, firstly, that we would fully automate that flow. And secondly, they were stunned by the fact that we did it with two two engineers and a project manager, essentially, where they would be used to dealing with a very, very large department focusing on that kind of task. Mm. So is the process so long because it's normally manual? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, one of the challenges we we face at the moment is, although we've automated the process, you know, we can't stop the the other way, the, you know, the banks <laughs> do the processes. So at, at the moment for them, it's quite a manual thing. Um, so we may not get messages on time. And therefore, again, you know, we have no control over that. Um, and so... In some cases, the the time frame does extend past seven days. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that we are trying to work, I think, with CAS um, is how we can kind of bring that in a bit more and, and make it even faster. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to be able to do a same day CAS switch at some point in the future. And I think we're pretty much ready to go on that. Mm. <laughs> so, so if uh, another bank were to automate it fully, then we would be able to just exchange those messages. I'd love to. Rapidly. Scheme rules would currently... P- forbid that you're obliged to send the messages on set days but nonetheless i'd love to do it one day okay so when uh when it comes to the schemes and uh you know automating them or making them faster and that sort of thing are are we uh working with the schemes to try and do that can we in you know put in input about it and that sort of thing yeah so i think similar to um the you know faster payments and being on the board I think with backs you know we're in constant dialogue with them as to how well we are doing and and some of the issues and challenges we're facing um, and and what they can do on their end to kind of help um, simplify processes even even further Um, so one of the things that we are doing is working with them and they seem open as well they you know some of the things that we've requested are already on their roadmaps um, and they've said you know they're they're happy to look look into that so I think they're very open to working with us and and you know making the process better and simplifying it. One of the common threads that runs through all of the different payment schemes and you know we've talked about a lot of the core banking ones we've barely mentioned the card networks but all of those players and SWIFT and beyond one of the things that they all have in common at the moment is they take and rightly so they take the security of their physical network incredibly seriously and Part of the way their rules are structured around physical connectivity requires physical data centers and often hardware security modules mounted in racks, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that we're, we're talking to many players in the industry, including the hosting providers, about is how do we adapt that for a, for a cloud compute world where actually you know, there are good alternatives now to 
the old the old scenario is you you essentially take delivery of an HSM possibly in a van and you mount it in the rack and then you lock the server room you don't let anyone touch it. Well, there's little bit of pressure hopefully now on the cloud providers to come up with appropriate solutions to do this on demand you know i can create a i can create a server on demand i can create a vpn endpoint on demand i can create a database on demand and i can do all of those in seconds the next challenge is okay now i want to create uh, a, a digital software equivalent of a hardware security physical connection to one of these payment schemes and i want to be able to do that in an afternoon as well mm. yeah without uh having to take delivery of something yourself. I would rather not have it come around in a van and for it to be loaded physically into a rack, if at all possible. Yeah. Um, In some ways, that might be seen as uh, more secure if you didn't have the physical hardware. I think there are some really, really good tools out there. And um, some of the the participants providing cloud services, um, Google and Amazon, uh, are, are... showing an interest in working with us and I think other new entrants in fintech to actually provide some of these services so that we can all all deliver good good service to consumers without all of the traditional sort of legacy IT footprint that we would have needed 10 years ago. Mm. So um, we're also uh, not only connecting with um, schemes that have been set up by government bodies or regulated agencies, but we're also connecting to things like Apple Pay, Uh, which um, many uh, listeners will be familiar with uh, on their phones. Um, So what's special about our connection with Apple Pay? Well, it's a good thing you are, you asked this. Um, what's great about or what's special for, for Starling Bank is that we will be the first um, UK bank to provide the this service in-app, in our Starling Bank app. So this is the ability for a, a customer to add the, the bank card to the, the Apple wallet um, within our app without having to take a picture, without having to manually enter the card details. It's, it's just an automated um, process through the click of a button, um, which is great. Um, and I think people might not understand the compl- complexities involved in in allowing that to be possible. Um, there's quite a lot of uh, engineers that had to work on this sort of crypto implementation, they call it, um, which involved kind of the generation of, of I'm going to get the words wrong, but t- tokenization, authentication value, and a crypto OTP, which is essentially how um, Apple identify uh, the the request or the message that's coming through within the app. Um, and there are quite a number of things that need to be done. It need to be concatenated, hashed, encoded and signed and then delivered to Apple Pay. And, you know, just a slight mistake in kind of the, the message or in, in the coding and, it, you know, everything just goes wrong. So it took, took quite a lot to get there. Um, but, you know, I think we're, we're all happy that, you know, something that we were able to implement and, you know, being the first as well in the UK, the first UK bank to do that is amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of this kind of work. So, you know, from my perspective, in terms of systems delivery and integration with payment services and payment schemes, we spend a long time, if you like, catching up with the entry level requirements to be a UK bank, which we did a while ago. And now you you get to the point where you think, okay, I now offer the same service as the current account that I used to bank with. And now, finally, we get a chance at Starling to go, okay, well, having reached entry level, we can now push ahead and do something innovative and new and start to provide interesting new dimensions on payment services that you can't get at any high street bank in the UK. And that's kind of, this is the fun part. Mm, yeah, the uh, the new part that yeah. won't no one else will yeah. offer. Yeah. And hopefully we'll do a lot more of this in the future. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the plan. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, Apple, big tech company, was were they different in terms of their testing requirements, or well, did they also have a 
uh, a long list of tests we had to go through. Yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, we still had to go through uh, certification testing um, and we needed to pass that in order to be given the go, go ahead um, to go live. Again, I think... <laughs> Uh, the test test analysts that we worked with, they were also quite surprised to see, um, you know, the number of people we had working on this and, and trying to get this across the line. Um, I think they were really shocked because they're used to working with, you know, a, a large group of teams and a group of people. Um, so it was great that, you know, they, they seemed very open and very helpful, you know, throughout the process, um, especially given we were such a small team working on this. Yeah, it's one of the things that really sets Starling apart in all the work we do, not just payment scheme integration, but we we believe pretty strongly that if you get the right couple of people on a problem, then they can achieve what departments of 100 can't achieve. Mm. And that was demonstrated in a couple of these schemes. Uh, and yeah, As Mariam said, most recently Apple Pay. Uh, and it can be a little awkward when one of these companies asks to meet the team that's delivering the service integration and you only have three people to introduce them to. <laughs> <laughs> because they're expecting uh, They're expecting, tens, a, they're expecting a room full. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, and they're probably sitting there going, well, where's the rest of it? Are they, are they yeah. all off? Couldn't they be bothered? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode. If you'd like to know more about Starling Bank, then you can follow us on Twitter at Starling Bank and visit our website, starlingbank.com. You can download the Starling Bank app from the iTunes App Store and the Google Play Store.